this is Mary J. Blige. I'm Nicki Minaj. What's up, what's up? This is Jay-Z. From London, England, and Washington, D.C., you are now tuned in to Conversations with Allison J. The Journey to Hear, brought to you by Ethel May Books. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Allison J. The Journey to Hear. If you're new to the channel, I'm Allison J. Please remember to subscribe, like our videos, and share. Also, don't forget to check the notification bell so that you don't miss another video. Today, I'll be speaking to LeBaron Burwell. LeBaron is a globally renowned wellness expert and catalyst for personal and professional transformation. Originally from Oxford, North Carolina, he is now based in the Washington, D.C. area and has been for the past decade. LeBaron has dedicated his life to empowering individuals and organizations with the tools and insights that they need to thrive. With a rich tapestry of experiences, he has served as a wellness consultant at NASA, collaborating with leading scientists and engineers to enhance the employee well-being. He has also worked with brands such as Lululemon. LeBaron has an unwavering passion, wealth of knowledge experience, and is respected the field of wellness, as well as the author of the Mental Hygiene Workbook. LeBaron, thank you so much for joining us here and welcome to Conversations with Alison Jay, The Journey to Here. Hello. Hello, how are you? I reached out to you to ask you about mental hygiene because many of us have heard of mental health. It seems to be, fortunately, a bit of a buzz at the moment, just removing the stigma from mental health and mental wellness. But you refer to it as mental hygiene. I'm not sure we've possibly heard of it put in that way before. So tell us a bit about yourself and how did you get involved in this work and why mental hygiene? Well, first, I want to say thank you, Alison, for having me and, you know, just, you know, taking taking notice of the things that I was doing on social and um and reaching out you know I know it takes a lot being in sales and and being an entrepreneur I know what it takes to reach out to people and scout them so um I appreciate the interest you're so, very welcome yeah so me uh you know just starting with mental hygiene I'll, I'll start from there and then you know go backwards um mental hygiene why am I so infatuated with mental hygiene over mental health mental health is obviously um number one right um, when you talk about mental health and therapy and um, mental illness, illnesses and stress and di- um, I was saying diabetes, wow, <laughs> but yeah, stress and depression and things of that nature. So, um, but it's such a serious topic. It's mm. such a serious topic. And then I, and in black and brown communities, um, mental health and therapy and things like that are, are frowned upon or, or, you know, really just pushed under the rug. And so, um, we want to we want to eliminate all barriers and challenges for people to start to get the things that they need. Mm-hmm. So it's calling it something else and making it more hip and more digestible. Um, I think that's the route we should go. So mental hygiene um, is is basically all the the small thing. You're breaking mental health down into small chunks and things that are you know digestible that you can do every day, right? So instead of looking at mental hygiene, uh, mental health is oh I got to get a therapist. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, there's something wrong with me. I need to get a therapist. Mental hygiene says, hmm, well, let's do day-to-day things like, you know, exercise. Let's do the day things like, you know, express gratitude. Um, take time out for yourself, you know, 30 minutes, 30 seconds, even sometimes of breath work. You know, these are all like small little intricate things that we can do on a day-to-day basis that promotes mental health 
Um, and we look at it as mental hygiene. So we think about hygiene as in, you know, we brush our teeth, we comb our hair, um, we wash our face, we make sure we do these things every day, sometimes twice and three times a day, right? Mm-hmm. And that's for our out, outer self um, and for our bodily, our, our bodily functions and things like that. But what are we doing for our mental health on a day-to-day basis? So that is where mental hygiene has come from. I love that. And you don't think of it in that way, just those small things that you can actually do to help yourself each day, like taking a step back and breathing, because we get so engrossed in what we're doing, we don't realize that actually there's some elements of this that we can, it's like self-care, basically, mental mental self-care. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think, you know, like, you know, sometimes people take you know, once a month, you know, ladies and, and, and men alike, you go get your nails done and go to the spa and go get your hair done. These things are right. Even though they're they're once a month. And if you think about it, what what are you also doing for you? Some people don't don't do anything for their mental health once a month. Mm-hmm. And so um, instead of but you do things for your physical health every day. Um, so it's like kind of kind of breaking it into a, a different phrase where we can look at it as the same as we look at brushing our teeth. So. I think that's one of the huge, one of the huge things. But um, looking at it as just something that we can do every day instead of something that's like, oh man, it's such a big, you know, hurdle to get over. And then by the time you know it, you go to a, a couple yoga classes and then do a couple meditations and do a, and you know do a couple of things that are related to your mental health. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I should talk to a therapist. I mean, it's not it's not so bad. So we want to ease people in, and I'm you know as a consultant coming from the uh, was as a consultant and a former personal trainer um we always working with people on one-on-one and, and behavior change right and so the one of the old age-old monikers is like you want to it's the frog test right it's the boiling the frog test if you put a, a frog into into boiling hot water the frog will jump out mm-hmm. right put them in a cauldron and you turn it up slowly it'll sit there and it'll boil, it become acclimated to his environment. So, and that's what we want to do with change and, and breaking the stigma of mental health. Okay, thank you for that. And that's very important because sadly, especially in the black community, there's such a huge stigma surrounding mental health and, and to your, in your words, mental hygiene and just that self-care that we can do because we feel like we need to be on 110 all the time. So there are things that we can do. And one of the things I noticed when I was researching you and looking you up is that you have written a book. Yeah, yeah. And the book is the Mental Hygiene Workbook. And I noticed in there at the very beginning, you do have a mental hygiene satisfaction checklist. Can you just elaborate a bit on that and tell us what some of the items on the checklist are that we could be doing? Yeah, so the the mental hygiene workbook it was um, created um, for an it was an expansion to a program which is still going on. It's a mental uh, it's a virtual walk and talk that's on Saturday morning, um, Wednesday mornings at seven a.m. And um, all of the prompts that we talk about every day, um, every Wednesday, fifty two prompt book um, signifying that every week is a Wednesday that we have these discussions. And so the mental health checklist and the satisfactory checklist. Or really things like how how often do you work, do you exercise? Mm-hmm. You know, taking a how's your, your fitness life? You know, things about what are you, what are your nutrition habits? Are you comfortable with your nutrition habits? Do it create vitality to you throughout the day? How are your sleep habits? These are all like these things that are um 
big contributors to your wellness or your well-being are also looked at as, you know, mental hygiene factors because or habits because they all contribute to your. So for a simple fact of are you exercising, relieving some of that stress? Obviously, that's one of the key factors in mental health is stress. And so are you exercising? Do you have a consistent um, exercise regimen? Um, you know, a simple thing. Are you going out? Are you going out with friends? Your social wellness, you know, it's a, 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 you know, sometimes in life where we get secluded or we become hermit, you know, hermits, especially if we're working on something right that if we have goals and that's OK. Sometimes you have to go into a deep focus and that's OK. And that's, and that's nothing wrong with having periods of time where you go into a deep focus. But I think, you know, checking yourself to say, hey, am I having valuable interactions, social interactions with people outside of myself? Um because is you know we live in a world we live in a world with people and we can't get around that so um have making sure that those those interactions are healthy and um and progressive is definitely something to check yeah yes and that's something that maybe we don't pay that much attention to and i think maybe going through well not even maybe going through that period of time during um the pandemic where so many of us were not able to meet socially and what that possibly could have done to our mental health not stopping to realize that there are small things that we can do on the mental hygiene side to keep ourselves healthy mentally and in your book in chapter one it starts with shaping positive sense of self and then it goes on to successful on purpose my village identifying my flow the fuel for life so can you take us to that whole shaping positive sense of self be successful on purpose and because we know we we often talk about it takes a village right but then you also talk about identifying my own flow to feel for life so can you just take us through those chapters and expound on them a bit perfect um and and shaping positive sense of self and i'll just i won't go through every every week and every um you know subtopic because the overall theme speaks to that um to that chapter and and how we do it is each chapter is a month right is 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 comprised of four or five subtopics which is four or five weeks within that month and so those are to be looked at um that's how you that's how we suggest you go through the book you know once a week you go through it do a self-reflection um get into the subject um subject matter really give yourself some in-depth time just to think and write through it right um so once a week you go in that book and so shaping positive sense of self is, I think, you know, and I think I shared this with you before or, um, you know, on our pre-call, uh, you know, a week ago, a couple of weeks ago or so. I think shaping, for me, shaping confidence and building confidence in people is one of my main passions and, and purpose in life. And, you know, helping people, giving people the tools and the perspective and the re- rephrasing I'm not rephrasing, but the reframing tools and strategies and and just um, perspectives is something that I long for and I live for. So when it comes to shaping positive sense of self, I think that's the number one thing. First of all, let's let's get you looking at you as the great being that you are. Um, And that's on chapter one. That's why we start with shaping positive sense of self. Oh, thank you. And sometimes and so often, I think we don't have that positive perception or picture of ourselves do we and so it's not to get that reminder and just the helpful steps in how we do that and accomplish that and what I really one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because going through your book and looking at the titles and it just was like hmm this is interesting 
Because I think there's so many times we think we're doing the right thing. We think that we're on the right track. And then we pick up a book like the Mental Hygiene Workbook and think, maybe not so much. And you have a chapter that says sometimes less is more and inner stillness. And that really got me thinking because in this day and age, that at times, that feels like a foreign concept, right? Less is more in this day and age. (laughs) And that inner stillness because we feel like we constantly need to be going after the bag or going after this goal and smashing this goal and reaching for that and having all of these things and and we're always on the go but you're in your book you mentioned that those things are part of the sometimes less is more and the inner stillness so can you talk to us a bit about those things because you also have a chapter that talks about detaching decluttering and your priorities so do you have any suggestions that you can share with us as to how do we achieve that and how do we get to the the less is more part and the inner peace to be able to do some of these other steps yeah so great question these are those are great uh great chapters too especially um to see them play out, right? Again, we discussed the chapters in the walking group that I, I spoke about earlier um, that's available to anyone. If they, you know, go on the website, you're able to go in and that's wholeselfwellness.com. Uh, go on there, you'll be able to join the wellness walk, the virtual walk and talk. It's an hour every every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. And so so it's fun going through the chapter and seeing it live live out and hear other people talk about it. So sometimes less, and, less is more is, you know, in America, we and we just had a mental hygiene day yesterday in the DMV uh, area, which was which was awesome. And really just hitting on the fact that in America, we are hustle and bustle. Just uh, we're addicted to it. You know, we're addicted to it. Taking taking a step back sometimes almost seems like you're being, you know, a worthless, uh, you know, worthless. It's like when you fit and sometimes you feel that way too. not even just to others it's just to yourself. You feel like, oh, man, today I didn't do anything. And if you didn't do anything today, you feel like you're a good, you're a failure. You know, even if you plan that day out, even if you say it in your mind, you still kind of you have to remind yourself it's OK. It's OK. It's OK. And so in chapters like less is more, we talk about like detaching from those things. Right. Detaching from those the things that harm us that are not contributing to our lives. And now when I say things, it could be I mean, the full full essence of a person, place or thing, you know, that whole now it could be an idea as well. So detaching from the ideas. And I know on on a couple of of our calls and seeing that come out is like detaching from ideas of things. And so one of the interesting things that came up on the call was detaching from the idea that, um, you know, my happiness is conditional. And it's in the future, right? Once, like that whole thing about once I do this, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Once I achieve this, then I'll be happy. Detaching yourself from that frame of mind and that thought process is huge. And when it came up on the call, we stuck there for a second and let's talk. And we talked about that. Um, other other subtopics in, in like minimalism, you know, same thing. Uh, you know, we all can talk about our physical things and minim- minimizing things. Sometimes less is more. What is that? It makes you more efficient when you when you take away the, the things that are around us and say, I'm only focusing on this. If I'm building a house and I only want and that's why minimism, minimalism is so big right now, because it's it's taking you're 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 getting rid of the distractions and focus on the main things. And therefore, you can move more efficiently that way. Same thing with our mindsets, 
Same thing with our environments and our spaces. Um, you know, like a room. If you got a if you got a room, you got so much, so many things around it, you feel like it's just too much going on. You feel like it's too much going on. And that messes with our psyche. So we go through it. We talk about decluttering, um, decluttering the mind, decluttering your spaces. Um, you know, and they can be even you, you know, friend groups. It can be you know, when I say environment, I'm talking about everything in your environment. So seeing those discussions come out. And then we talk about priorities and, you know, sometimes less is more. The whole theme is building capacity for efficient progress, efficient movement. Right. And so when we talk about priorities, how does this land in sometimes less is more? It helps us make decisions. Right. If we have our our priorities, I had a we had a live recap and uh, a funny conversation happened between me and one of my partners. And uh, we were talking about, you know, what are your priorities in choosing things? Right. Because it helps us identify what our criteria for that choice is. Um, and if we have our priorities in order, we can make clear and sound um, decisions. So French fries or tater tots. Mm-hmm. Right. You can choose whichever one you want. But if you haven't, if you're identifying a, a, a clear priority in choosing it, then it helps you make your decision and you can and you can live with your decision. So, um, and if I can even say a salad versus a French fries, right? Now, if your priorities is being healthy and <laughs> being healthy and getting some leafy greens, the decision is a no-brainer. So yeah. you can go and, and make it, and making sure that you're moving well within your values and you feel better about that. So I just love, you know, diving into those things that we don't necessarily talk about every day. Mm-hmm. And so not only do we talk about them, we give resources because one, in one of the chapters in the book, we talk, we just talk about resources. Um, and so not the not chapter, but one of the, um, the sub topics in the book, you say resources. And that's for you to be able to gather all your resources to help you do these things. Um, there's a there's, you know, websites and like Angie's List. There's people that come that you can get people to come and help you sort out your closets, declutter. Um, you can you can talk with life coaches. You can, and, you know, and life coaches and therapists and all type of things better help. Um, what my my partner is a therapist, so obviously he's going to give his, himself as a resource. But, yeah, we talk about those things and give you that space within the book to be able to think about, hmm, let me list out some resources. And you so now you have your own catalog of things that you can go to when you need to focus on these specific areas. Mm. And one of the things I like that you mentioned a little while ago was the that whole it's like we've got this checklist that I'll be happy when I achieve this I'll be happy when and just finding things that are going on in your life now to be happy about and not thinking that happiness is this thing in the future that you have to reach for and attain so in so to put that together to think actually that can that can help with my less is more in the sense of I don't have to be like this hamster on this wheel all the time because I'm chasing this I don't want to say this illusion of happiness but it's like I'm ch- it's like chasing this illusion of happiness that it's only somewhere in the future and if we think about it if we're only going to be happy when we've checked these things off our list we may actually never be happy because the reality is if we were to look back over our lives I'm sure most of us, at least one thing can say, man, I thought by now I would have. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And yeah, I, I agree with you on that. 
So if we never get to that thing, does that mean there's a, an, 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 an element of happiness that we're never going to attain? Yeah. So, yeah, I think setting yourself up in that way is is definitely something that's um, at some point is going to be a, a hint of failure that at that because and you don't want to and you don't want to set yourself up in that way. So looking at it as something that you have to attain and, and just think about it. If it's a if it's a destination, what happens when you get there? You know, I'm back. <laughs> right? like, OK, now I have happiness. What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now what? So. That's why it's always a journey. That's why wellness is something that's it's is an active thing. When we talk about wellness in the wellness field, it's something that's active, it's ongoing, it's always a pursuit, and that's how I like to um describe it. It's a pursuit. Yeah, it's a pursuit. Yes, exactly. Even pursuit of happiness, right? It's always going to be a pursuit, and that's and that's okay, right? Um, because the fact is, feelings come and go. Things, you know, and there's joy within those moments. I think, and if we can, and we rob ourselves of joy, there's even times in the, in the book that drove conversations about, um, you know, being able to, in that shaping positive sense of self part, right. Where it says core, you know, the core vi- uh, values and vision and things like that, solitude attachments. So when we talk about that and we talk about, you know, what are your, what are your visions and being bold and being able to take those steps towards it, you know, when something is going too good for you, right. I think we've all possibly have had it. I know I have, right? When things are just on, I mean, I'm I am clicking on all cylinders, Allison. I mean, I'm thinking my business is going well. Every email that I send out, people are responding fast. I'm talking about workshops are coming. People are hitting me up. I mean, it's just like it's going well. But then there's like in your mind, there's a looming thought. There's wait, is there when is the shoe other foot going to hit? Like mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Like, when is it going to dry up? When, when, when is it going to be a case of I have to start reaching out to people and they don't respond to me? And, and you have that whole, if you're anything like me, have that whole auctioneer going off in your head, right? When is it going to dry up? Am I going to get any clients? Am I going to do anything? And you're just constantly doing that to the point where you've now removed yourself from this moment where everything is going amazingly for you, where you are actually having some peace and some happiness and you put yourself in this heightened state of frenzy because you've jumped from this moment here and started looking at something that may actually never even happen right exactly and i think see and that's where the trouble lies when we talk about that conditional happiness like okay when i get there i'll be this because now like i said we talked about it okay now once you've gotten to there i'm happy now i got this the very next thought is okay now i gotta you know, I'm waiting for, I'm vigilant now, I'm hypervigilant. And I'm thinking about, okay, when the next thing going to happen is going to be bad. So that's why it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope when we do that. And we work on finding gratitude and, you know, exchanging. One of my big quotes for this year was, um, you know, exchanging um, expectation for gratitude is because a lot of times we put ex- expectations on things and situations that rob us of that joy of being present in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is one of the hugest things that, you know, I, I try to identify whenever I'm talking with a client or whenever I'm doing any work is, hey, let's identify the greatness that's in your life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's find some joy in these moments because if we keep on saying, hey, when I get this house, hey, when I move away, when I get this job, you know, you, when that happens, you're going to be doing that again. So mm-hmm. if you can find the joy in the moments when you're actually on that journey, 
um, all those steps would be a lot more worth it and a lot more, um, you know, lively and, fru and, and fruitful. And you saying that, something just came into my head, right? More money, more problems, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about it, that once we've achieved these things, we think that once we get it, it's going to be problem free. But once you get that house, if it's, for example, let's say it's a bigger house or you've moved from renting to buying a house, now you're responsible. If that roof blows off, that's on you. If your water heater goes, that's on you. Everything is, everything concerned with maintaining that house, let's just use that for the example, is now on you. Whereas when you were renting, it's just like, oh, the roof's gone, landlord, water heater, landlord. And so we think that once we get these things, it's just going to be now plain sailing. Life's going to be amazing and great. But we don't realize that those things come with their own issues and troubles as well, though, right? So you're never right. going to actually get away from that having to be concerned about things. But yeah. it's, not so, it's taking the, the biggest concern away from, not the biggest concern, it's taken away from focusing, I should say, on the biggest concern of things going wrong and being present in this moment where, where things are going well, right? Yes. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest skills that you can learn is to to be present in the moment. Mm. Um, because, again, there are things that are going on. There, there are bills. There are family that are sick. There are friends that, you're, you know, you haven't really spoken to. You, you're kind of worried about it. There are, you know, relationship issues. Uh, you know, there's, there's things that are going on in your life, and that's going to forever be the case. Uh, and, you know, we have to be able to build up the, I don't want to say callous, but we want to build a skill um, to be able to filter through those things and say, yeah, and yet and still I'm here and I'm happy, you know? Yeah, yeah. and still I can see, I can see, you know, the positives of today um, and, and not worry about the stresses of tomorrow in this moment. There's time where we can plan those things out. There's time for you to set your schedule and be able to sit down and, and filter through those things and process those things. There's a healthy way to do it. You know, um, but keeping it on your mind and focusing on those things and, and continuing to lament about the issues and the problems that are going on. And, uh, you know, the, the fantasy of one day have, being problem free is something that will is <laughs> something that will, you know, ultimately uh, land you in a place that uh, you, you won't like in, a few, in, in years to come. And it makes me think as well, if you're in a place where you're problem free, you're kind of probably a dead. <laughs> Just the saying, because when do you never have something happen? And another thought came to me as you were speaking. It's um, not waiting for the rain to pass, but learning to dance in the rain. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think so many times that's what we do, right? We talk about um, the, these places that we aspire to and these things we're aspiring to have and achieve that, we're, it's almost like we have that it's raining right now mentality rather than thinking, you know what? It's raining right now, but look at all the good things that happens in the rain. We actually need the rain. You can't have a rainbow without the rain, right? That's right. <laughs> it's yeah, so, it's hey, so I, at that. Hmm. I'm sorry, were you going, you were asking a question? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm just saying, just looking at it that way, we just learn to dance in the rain because guess what? From rain comes growth. That's right. Every time, every time. And, and then also it's, it's cleansing, right? We just had, it's cleansing in so many ways, but I'll talk about the literal sense. I just was in the car um, yesterday 
with with um my very close friend and he was like man it's been raining it's raining in this on the east coast for about a week and a half almost right and he was talking about that and it was just like man where's it go i was like man to be honest with you it was dirty out here <laughs> and that's what i said i said it was dirty out here the, uh you know we had all this smoke and smog coming in from the the fires and all i said it was dirty out here we needed a good cleanse cleansing and so and just to think about it in that sense, it's just like we did. We really did. Like, you know, the earth needed it, you know? Because those orange, hazy skies and that air, poor air quality, we needed something to like have a, a good wash it away. So, yeah, you're right. It's cleansing and it moves. It shifts things. And then when it rains past and you've got that fresh rain smell and things are starting to blossom and bloom, it's just like, oh, this is great. But we needed that rain in order for that to happen. And I right. think sometimes we are so focused on it's raining, it's raining, that we don't look at, okay, during this time of rain, what can I be doing? How can I shift um, a thought pattern? How can I readjust? How can I pivot? Because we have to constantly learn how to pivot if um, something plan A is not going the way you want. We've got to look at, okay, how can I, what can I still be doing rather than just sitting there stuck and focusing on it's raining because, you know, going through your book and I saw the chapter strength in vulnerability. Now I had to chuckle to myself a little bit because we've so long been, if you're vulnerable, you're weak. And if you show any sign of vulnerability or emotion, that means you're weak. And for the most part, just people think of it as, again, just showing a sign of weakness. But your book says that there's strength in vulnerability. And I think over the years, we've kind of been learning that, where it's just like, you know what? If you're a man, it's actually okay to cry. It's okay to cry. If you're a man, especially a man of color, it's okay to cry. It's okay to see a therapist. It's okay to not have everything bottled up. So. How do you suggest that we actually really push past that mindset and realize that actually it actually takes a lot to be vulnerable if we're really honest? It's not a small thing, is it? No. I mean, I think it's one of the, the hardest things to do. And that's why you say strength and vulnerability. But before I get to strength and vulnerability, I wanted to, you know, you know, anybody's maybe watching and saying like, OK, but how do you work on that skill of being able to turn that rain into and turning that perspective, right? Like being able to look at the rain and say, even though you had um, an outside event planned for today and the rain is coming and how, how do you, you know, and this is metaphorically speaking as well, but how do you turn that, that rain into something that's going to ultimately um, give you flowers, right? And, and understand that perspective when it's happening. Um, meditation is one thing. Right. And I and I think a lot of times people think meditation is um, and even in strength and vulnerability, I say use I statement. So let me use an I statement. <laughs> I used to think meditation was. You got to sit, you got to clear your mind, you got to be thoughtless. I thought you had to be like, you know, had to had to think like, you know, you had to be some there was some type of prerequisite. I thought there was some type of, you know, just form a way you had to do it. But meditation is just a, a time of stillness for yourself. Mm -hmm. Really in time for yourself. And so when I meditate and how, how do I get to that? Right. 
when I meditate, just take some time. It could be two minutes, three minutes. It could be 30 seconds. It could be an hour. Uh, you know, if you build up to that long, that'd be amazing. Right. <laughs> but, you know, a 10 minute, 15 minute meditation. And they're like, I can't turn my mind off. You're not, you know, we're not trying to turn our, turn our mind off. But what we're doing is we're looking at the rain right in the face and saying, hmm, you're here. I'm accepting this. Same thing when you're in a med meditative state, right? Maybe you're trying to sit down and you're calming down. Maybe there's thoughts passing. Maybe there's a, a train coming past. Maybe there's a, a motorcycle revving his engine flying down the, flying down the highway. Bring them, bring that into your setting. Bring it into your meditation. Smile about it and say, and it, this, these are actual things that I, and I had to tell someone when we were, we were meditating afterwards and I had to let them know like kind of what I did. I said, I brought it into my meditation. Mm -hmm. So when I meditated in this, in this, in this uh, motorcycle was revving past, I smiled because I'm thinking, boy, somebody's excited about having the motorcycle and it's a beautiful day outside. Like the joy of that person just revving through with their motorcycle made me excited. It like added to my meditation. Same thing with the train. Train is going. So some it's people learn that train going places. It's people traveling to the D.C. area. You know, it's people going to work or getting off of work. Somebody, you know, so and just thinking about that whole thing, thinking about, you know, the 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 blessings that I have and the benefit I have of being in that area. Um, so bringing it into it. So building that strength and building that that muscle to be able to filter through things and turn it into a positive and look at the positive. We're not turning it into a positive. It's already there. Yeah. We want to see it and uncover it. That's interesting because so many times if we're trying to do that and just be still and meditate and focus, we tend to look at those things as an annoyance, as an interruption, as a distraction, rather than bringing it into it to look at the, you know what, that train going off, people, life is happening. Yeah. People are going somewhere. I like that because I must admit, I would be that person. Like, oh, Jimmy, <laughs> yeah, right. Baby's crying. A baby crying. Right. Joy. That's joy. That's life. You know. So all of those things you kind of you, you just internalize and just you know. So now, now it doesn't bother you. It doesn't detract. It yeah. adds to your experience. I like so that with the rain now. Right. Okay. How often how, it doesn't rain every day. Like it, it doesn't rain more than it rains. So it's usually a rarity. If you look at the percentage of times it rains during the year, it pales in comparison to when it doesn't. So when we look at the rain, we can look at it as hmm, it's raining today. What does that kind of force you to do? Do you you can dance in the rain? You can enjoy it from the inside. You can listen to the sounds and the soothing sounds. You can get some rainwater and make some fresh water. You know, you can do a lot of things with it and experiences that you can't do when it doesn't rain. And it's interesting because my mother loves when it rains. See? <laughs> now, <laughs> my, it rains and that's her first sign. Would you like some soup? No, because it's not cold. Yeah. And she'll yeah. soup and she'll sleep. She's got nothing gives her her best sleep is when it rains. She's made herself some soup and she, and she actually loves when it rains. Yeah. And, she puts, and she's got like orchids and plants and she'll put her buckets out, catch her rainwater to water her plants. So so to your point, it's that perspective shift, isn't it? And how you look at that. Yeah. Because there's so many benefits you can get from it and just hit my mum up for some soup when it rains. <laughs> Soup. Right. Makes a mean soup. Different kinds of soup. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. Thank you for, for elaborating on that. 
But yeah, but if we could just jump into that. Um, strength of vulnerability. Yes, the strength in vulnerability. Because especially for men. Yes. I feel like they've got to be this, have this tough exterior all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the, the the first, you know, in that chapter, the first, well, in that section, um, the first, you know, subtopic is called I statements. Mm-hmm. That's the first, and that's the first step usually to being vulnerable. Is using an I statement because I'll tell you, just listen. You know, I'll give you two examples. Somebody's on a call, or I'm talking to, you know, someone, and I'm saying, yeah, a lot of men don't really know how to open up. Okay. I don't I don't know how to open up. Mm. I struggle with opening up opening up. You know, so these statements are 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 different, right? Because it's like you're saying a lot of people, you're taking that off of you and you're not you're not claiming the issues or the or the challenges that you struggle with. Right. And that's what that's a simple step that we do all the time, right? That we do all the time. Include yourself into it whenever whenever you're speaking. I included that because you know, even on some of our calls that we have, you know, people will bring, bring something up and they'll just say a lot of people or most people this, or, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm thinking let's use, let's, let's use I statements because you're bringing it up because it applies to you. Mm. You're, you bring it up because in some way this applies to you. So shape it in a way that says I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, so I used to think I have trouble with what challenges me. These things are ways to, you're showing people how to bring these things forward. So I think that's the first thing mm. um, to change our language. And then the other one is, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, you look like you in there. No, no, I, I'm smiling because that's be actually one of my pet peeves when I'm on calls or um, speaking to people. And, she's, and they say most people or a lot of people. And I'm thinking to myself, the billions of people in this world, do you know most people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, so even if they narrow it down to say people in my circle that I know, whatever, but it's that it's that such that broad statement of yeah, well, most people I don't know most people. Right. I I I may know a lot of people because you know I live I've lived here in the U.S. for several years, lived in England, so my my network has grown. So I know a, a fair amount of people, but I don't know most people. No, you don't know most people. That's awesome. Yeah, you don't know most people. The fact is, you know, least people. <laughs> Out of this much people, you know this. Right. So, so I'm glad that you said that because that's something that's been a pet peeve of mine. And say, you know, most people like, no, no. If it applies to you, then own that, please. I think. You say, I think this or I feel this way because. And it's okay for you to be, it's okay for that to happen. And, and that won't, see, that starts that language, right? You're vulnerable to say, hey, I like this. I feel this way. Mm-hmm. That starts that, that you know, that vulnerable language and be able to, to relate to people. People respect you a lot more. You just say, hey, in my opinion, I think I feel this way. I've I've seen this happen. Yeah. So, well, oh. most people do this or I've seen a lot. Yeah. yeah. Own your stuff, right? Just own your stuff. And like you said, people will respect you more. And I would respect a person more if they just own their stuff rather than the most people or people, because you don't know most and all this world is too big for right. even the, to, for you to know most or all own your stuff. And then you can start with that. And I think 
And I like how you put that because if people just own their stuff, that is such a huge step towards their own showing their vulnerability. And I think people misinterpret or, or abuse the word vulnerability into meaning, oh, what, because I don't cry. There's more to it. Exactly. I was, I was coming to that. Yep. Yeah, I was I was coming to that because everybody thinks um, or even like I said, I used to think that vulnerability means, oh, I got to sit here and be mushy with you. I got to I got to cry with you, um, you know, to to have feelings. That kind of what that meant. It, you know, I was always, you know, be able to say, hey, look, this is how, what's going on. I'm strong. Stand up. I'm a man. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I got to move on. So I always thought any any emotions like that, any vulnerable statements meant like you're being weaker. Mm. And so, um, I think, you know, understanding now that, you know, it's better for me when I'm honest, it, like I get better, I get better results in everything when you're honest with yourself and others. Let's just be honest. You get better results. Yes. Um, if you're looking to date people, being honest, if you're looking to bi get business deals, being honest and being authentic, um, that's another thing. Um, mm. So the second part to the strength and vulnerability outside of our statements was perfection. We talked about perfection in there. And just how, you know, just our environment. I I came up where, you know, I was only only man, only uh only man in the house, single mother. Um, I achieved really well. Did get did get in school. Went to you know got my master. You know, I just I I, I achieved. And so, but the whole while I'm achieving, I'm kind of like you know almost first generation. You know, there was some college, there was nobody that finished. And so everything that I did was you know kind of like already kind of like the first type mm. thing. And so um, it kind of built for me and I'm, I'm realizing this through, you know, through therapy and through just, you know, in, you know, intuitive conversations and fierce conversations um, that I built up a, a thing of like not being able to say that I'm not okay or ask for help here or um, because I'm, I'm already looked at as, well, you did, you know, you you went to school, you did, you had this type of job, you should be doing this, or the the, the thought of the per, the perception you think people have of you, yes, you operate in that, mm -hmm. and so and that that builds a little sentiment of perfectionism, um, and so in isolation too. So being vulnerable and saying, hey, I'm not perfect, you know, there's strength and vulnerability of saying like I'm not going to chase perfection. I don't want to appear that I am perfect. I want to show some mistakes. I want I want you to know that you know things bother me. I want I want you to know those things because that's where I can continue to be strong. So I don't have to hide those things and it just wear and wear and wear on me. Mm, I like that. I like that. Thank you so much for expounding on that and just know that you can be vulnerable and still and be strong and I think you know when you look at it another way those people that hide it and don't want to is that's actually more the weakness than taking that strength and that courage to be vulnerable and share that with, obviously with trusted people you don't want to just be vulnerable with people that will abuse that so and I think that's a very key point with trusted people but something another thing that I, I just want to switch to is you wrote an article about burnout prevention. Mm -hmm. What tips would you give us about burnout prevention, especially because we spoke previously about the less is more and people are just always on the go and the hustle and the bustle and you always have to do that. And so a lot of people suffer burnout like in their jobs because they feel like they must always, especially now, 
or you've got your emails on your phone when you can't unplug. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the days when you didn't have e in fact, I was working before there were cell phones, right? I know, I don't look it, thanks. Yeah, I know, that's right, yeah. I was working before there were cell phones, so I know what it was like to, once you leave that office, you unplug, you detach. You go on your holiday, you unplug, you detach. Nowadays, it's, you don't have that because as, unless you go to somewhere where there's no cell service and no Wi-Fi, you're always connected, aren't you? So people never um, have that luxury of being able to really fully disconnect. So what tips would you give them about prevention burnout? Yeah, so... Well, thank you for asking about that, too. And thank you for, for reading that. Um, I mean, just one thing, and, and I'll talk about it a little bit in the in the article, but first, explore the, the work arrangements that you have, mm -hmm. you know, and that's one. What are the flexible work arrangements that you have? Is, is it possible for you to take a day at home and work from home? Is it, you know, is it okay for you to change, even if you work in an office, is it okay for you to change the location of your, your office and that, you know, in that space? Like, can you work on the roof? Is there a rooftop? Is there a, a, a flex space available? You know, just changing the scenery a little bit, right? Just so it won't wear on you so much. Mm -hmm. um, seeking out the resources that your, you know, your employer has. Um, are there mental health training and education? Are there, you know, um, different social events and wellness um, opportunities for you. When I say social events, I mean, I think it's great to ingratiate yourself with people that are working with you, step, uh, you know, side by side every day, because the the better you form a relationship with them, a working relationship, you don't have to go um, be buddy-buddy with them everywhere, but uh, the more you can know the people you work with, build trust and, and rapport with them, I think if it builds a better uh, overall experience at work. Um, but some things that, you know, just Plain and simple, just quick little tips. Hey, grab your work schedule. Let's plan out some some time some time off. And when I say time off, we're not talking about, hey, you taking time off this to go to a wedding. You taking time off to to go to to the doctor. You taking time off to take your kids somewhere. You taking time off because it's something that you have to do, right? That's not time off though, right? That's time off from work, but that's not time off. When I talk about time off, you're clearing your schedule and you're the only thing on your schedule. Yeah, sitting down on somebody's beach somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Go go to a beach. If that's your idea of taking a load off and just relaxing and replenishing yourself, then do that. Some people say, hey, I want to I wanna go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. That's going to be a reset and refresh for me. But whatever that thing is for you, I think set that up. Like mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year, there's no need it, like you should have if you are if you're somebody that goes on trips, you should have your trips, you know, listed out. They don't have to be planned all the way, but say, hmm, this quarter, I want to go here. This quarter, I want to go there. So it's already known. You can plan around it. There's nothing that can get in the way of it. It's there. You don't risk it. When I used to be a um, when I used to be a, a trainer every day. Right. This is what I used to tell my clients. I had something on the wall in the studio that said. Bosses don't cancel. <laughs> so if bosses don't cancel. So it's like you were if you're a boss and you're in charge of your schedule, then how can you cancel a meeting with yourself? Right, right, right. Yeah, don't I cancel don't... a meeting with yourself. Like, okay, it, if you're working out, that's a meeting for you. That's for you to do it and improve yourself. Why would you cancel that? At the very minimum, you reschedule. <laughs> we don't cancel it though. 
that, yeah, that's true. It's, we, we scheduling is allowed. I like that. I like that. We scheduling is allowed, but we don't cancel meetings with ourselves. Of course not. I like that. Thank you. Thank you for those tips. Because I think we all need it it's in these, like in this day and age where we feel like we always have to be on the go. So thank you for those tips on burnout prevention. And the my last question for you is, okay. You had your mental hygiene day, your first one. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, like, what does that day consist of? Because I'm saying first one because I'm putting it out there that there are going to be more. There are. Okay, wonderful. So, so what did that day consist of and how did it come about? Thank you for asking about that and giving me the opportunity to speak on that. It's still fresh, so still kind of uh, excited about it and, um, you know, just doing the, the whole recaps and uh, feedback and just reaching out to everybody. So it's still very fresh. Um, how did it come about? Me and my me and my business partner, we were um, we've been we wrote the mental hygiene workbook and, you know, we've done done a lot of education on mental hygiene, done workshops all over. And we just started to think like there's a day for everything, you know, like there's a day for everything. And then he said, well, we're going to have a mental hygiene day. And when he said, we're going to have a mental hygiene day, I'm like, we're going to have a mental hygiene day. <laughs> and so at that point we started thinking, we started thinking like people have mental health days. They don't take them. So mm. you look up stats and you look up, you look up statistics and, you know, 56% of people, finished the year last year with PTO on the table. And so when we look at that and we're like, why is that? That's paid time off. I'm confused. And then we look at burn burnout rates. They're increasing. Hmm. Mm. And then we look at entrepreneurs. They're all of their rates on anxiety and depression and burnout are up. Why is that? Because they're not given PTO, so they they don't look at it as time that they can take off. And then when they do take off, are they really off? They're still answering emails, still sending out things, still promoting, still doing all the things that they normally would do under the veil of vacation. Yeah, so, they're just doing it from a different location, basically. Different like, location, and and those are those are good. You can do those too. You can work remote. You can change your location. Those things are good, right? But at some point, you do need a hard just stop. And so we said, okay, how are we going to get these Americans <laughs> to take to take some time off? Okay, they they run by their schedule. Maybe if it's something that we can put on their schedule where we do all the planning for them, right? So we said we're going to get some some health. I mean, some some mind body involved. We and it coincided with International Yoga Day. So we had two yoga sessions. We had a meditation session, sound sound bathing, as well. The sound bath was amazing, um, by the way. Um, get some healthy food there. We had breakout conversations where we talked about where we talked about the guilt of taking off. Right? Like, is there guilt in taking off? 100 <laughs> percent The discussions were, I mean, just so profound. One lady told me that it's not about it's not a guilt about taking off, it's the anxiety about coming back. And I'm like, wow. You know what, as you say that, though, because I remember we used to say in order to take time off, you've got to do like three weeks of work ahead of time. And then when you come back, all that catching up that you have to do was almost like you didn't take any time off. And I think and so you saying that that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. And it, that's the that's the thought. But, and you know, my retort to that is, hey, Allison, 
is work. It's always going to be work. So no matter what day you go in, there's going to be work. So it's like, if you can go in six days a week, you can go in two days a week, you can go in 12 days a week, if there was such a thing. It's still going to be work there when you get there. I yeah, that, promise you. That so, so that's what I tell people, um, you know, and trust me, I've worked in, in corporate. I've worked, you know, uh, contracted for the government. I've done some different things in my day in sales, um, you know, commission. on. I've, so I've done a, a lot of different things. So I can understand the hesitation in trying and taking that time off. But that's the one thing I would say is we plan it. You come, you enjoy yourself. So we had different conversations on that. Then we had uh, breakout groups on on breakout discussions on, hey, it's therapy for me, you know, and we had a therapist there leading that breakout. And what came out of that is, hey, it's not for everybody at this moment. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's not for everybody at this moment because they think mental health means you have to get a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so having conversations that let you know that it's okay and it's not something that's, you know, um, that people are saying, like, you got to get it. We're not forcing you into it. And so, and then the other conversation in the breakout that I thought was really telling was, you know, taking the first step to taking control of your life, taking the first step to to make any movement, right? And that was led by a young lady, a business owner that uh, that that owned the venue that we were in. Okay. So it was just awesome, and um, and then we fed everybody some healthy foods uh, from from some of our vendors. So it was just a great day. It was from nine to two. Um, people were were so excited. We had our sponsors gave everybody um, free gifts, and so um, I'm a Lululemon ambassador. And so my connection with Lululemon afforded, you know, some some great gifts, some yoga mats for them, uh, everybody that came. So it was just a really good event. And I'm looking to have another one in the D.C. area. The next one will be in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and we are looking at this is just a little bit. Don't hold me to it. But that's we're looking at doing one a quarter. This is recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're looking at doing a one one a quarter. So, OK. Uh, this sounds good. So please do keep me posted. Keep let me know because I would love to attend one should my schedule allow. But yeah, absolutely would love to do that. Thank you so much. And something you said earlier, and just before we go, when we were talking about burnout prevention and seeing if you can move your workstation, work from a different location, an expression that I grew up with in the UK was a change is as good as a rest. And sometimes just changing that location it just like reinvigorates you so thank you for reminding me of that so what's next for you when you got in the pipeline i know you've got a book you have mentioned about your um mental hygiene days so is there anything else coming up for you that you'd like our listeners to hear and know yeah so um got some some things that they can um, tune into. So yeah, got got some things down in uh, UNC Chapel Hill. Going to be working with um, UNC Chapel Hill on some um, leadership development conferences. And so excited about that. I'm going to be speaking at the National Wellness Institute um, National Wellness Conference coming up in July 19th, July 19th in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and if you're in the DMV area, I'm going to be participating in a, it's called a fit crawl. And there's going to be, you know, uh, some participating gyms and yoga studios, which is going to be really fun. You go from place to place and experience their, uh, their gyms and, and truncated versions, but you get to experience them. So it's going to be a good day. So um, I'll be participating in that. Um, so yeah, it's just a full, full list of things, activities. I can't wait for it. Uh, there's a, 
if you play golf, I'm a golfer. Um, I am I'm connecting with St. James, which is a, a sporting complex and doing a golf tournament in September. So all of those things can be, you can look at those on my link at LeBaronBurwell.com. And, you know, let's, you know, we can get con connected. That was my next question. Where can people find you? The next 30 seconds, where can people find you? Okay. People can find me on LeBaronBurwell.com. All of my links are there. Um, I do a lot of work on uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. Those are my big two social media platforms. Um, but again, if you go to LeBaronBurwell.com, everything will be there of how to get in touch with me and all of the services that I provide. And I will put the links to all of those in the description. So LeBaron Burwell, thank you so much for joining us here on Conversations with Alison J. The journey to here, very informative and hygiene, hygienic. <laughs> Yeah. is the word I think I should be using, hygienic conversation. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. No problem. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You, you've been, a, um, a, again, a gracious host. And and best of, best of luck with everything, too. You know, we didn't get into what you got going on, but um, the world knows. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. But, and everything is on my website. I've got two books out. I'm writing another. There's a few things going on in the pipeline. So watch this space. And um, there's more to come from me. Yes. And I look to collaborate with, collaborate with you soon as well. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, my dear. Thank you for spending time with us. We're already looking forward to the next episode of This is Conversations with Allison J. The journey to here. Until next time, honor, respect, and blessings to you all. If you want to connect, visit allisonj.net. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-J-A-Y-E dot net. Allison with one L, as she is the one and only.